Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other and maybe even you into liking what we like. This episode, it's Fleet Foxes. My name's Dan, and I once took a video of my father slam dunking a child's basketball hoop in his pajamas. I sent this video to the hosts of a sports television show, and it was featured on national TV. (laughs) My name is Jeff, and the one time I went to a strip club, I wore a brown leisure suit and spoke exclusively in a thick Eastern European accent and was asked by the performers all night if I was selling weed. (laughs) My name is Jimmy, and one time Dan, Jeff, and I were at White Castle, and they happened to be selling candles for charity. Dan asked if they smelled like White Castles. He didn't buy one because they didn't. I don't remember that. I remember that. Is that the same time when I bought a White Castle shirt, but it came like in this weird shrink wrap, like it was shaped like a Christmas tree and you had to put it in water to like make I think I've I seen those remember that, yeah. Oh, it was so weird. I wore it all the time. I love White Castle. But don't so you think if you're going to sell a candle at White Castle, it should smell like White What's Castle? It's going to smell just like burnt onions and sadness and regret. Grease. Gross burgers. Grease. You could make it out of hamburger yeah. grease. You just, you scrape the leftover yeah, and let it onion cool. grease. Do it, dude. I just I, love the fact that you asked that. And I then mean, they say no. Yeah, I kind of remember them giving me a dirty look like, no. Yeah. And I'm like, why is that a weird question? <laughs> it's a weird question. I mean, I've seen like at novelty stores, like around the holidays, like bacon scented candles. <laughs> They're doing it for charity, though, which is the like you could have just been supporting the charity. Charity schmarity. <laughs> Good one, Dan. <laughs> so, Jeff, do we have any reviews for this show? We have. A great review left on Apple Podcasts is what they're going with. They're sticking with that. Yeah. No more iTunes. Guys, this is a talk me into first. Oh, yeah. Are you ready? Six star review. Minus five. (laughs) Our first one star review from Jerosa. The subject is loud, obnoxious, and the review is pass. It's just annoying. That's, That's cool. I, I didn't think so, but yeah, man. I don't You're think it's like entitled to your opinion, man. Or whatever. I don't I don't think so either. Compared to stuff we used to do, we're pretty pretty mellow now. We're we're having fun. We're having a lively conversation. I wouldn't say that we're loud and obnoxious compared to some other stuff. And I've heard. even like production wise, I don't I think if anything, we're a little quieter than some podcasts I listen oh, to. Oh yeah. But I don't yeah. get it. Our engineer over there is agreeing with you. I'm looking at some pretty mellow levels right now. Yeah. We're not, we're not peaking. No. But if you feel that way, I guess, I mean, don't leave a one-star review because yeah, that's not helping us. Don't leave a review. You're That's the kind of person that, like, if it's busy at a fast food place, you're like, oh, why is it taking so long? I'm going to call your manager. Just don't do that. Yeah. Just go to a different fast yeah. food place. Don't You don't have to let them know. I'll, give, I'll go you one further. If you want to rant and rave, send us an email oh, if you yeah. feel so inclined to talk me into at gmail.com we'll gladly read an entire diatribe about why we suck that would be funny <laughs> physically mail it to us find out where we live i'm not giving my address out to crazy no online. find out where we live <laughs> i don't know oh, if you want to open that door and Jeff. Mail, mail us a letter 
I have a tweet that is actually on the opposite end of the spectrum. Oh yeah. This is from Jonathan. You know, oh, whoa, set up. This is from Jonald 3.0 um, on Twitter. His tag, his username is at Burnt Wieners. He's he actually is was a listener to a prior podcast of Jeff and, and yes, Burnt Wieners was his podcast. We were podcast pals. Yeah, back then. and he's been getting into our podcast lately. And he tweeted, "What a cliffhanger on the Weird Al episode." Hashtag Al Hanger. Some damn fine selections <laughs> on that episode. Play My Baby Loves Eddie Vedder for Dan. Yeah, we did, because this this was before, yep, in, this before was in between we were, episodes. Yeah, so thank you for reaching out to us and giving your input. If you want to tell us what we should be talking each other into, send us an email or a tweet, and we'll read it. And if you really want to and have some real stakes in the game, yeah. support us on Patreon. We're going to do a Patreon poll about what we should do an episode on soon. Mm. Patreon.com slash talk me into. Let's do it. Guys, <laughs> everyone involved. The point of Talk Me Into is to talk each other and the audience into liking what we like. As we said at the introduction of this episode, and it's written down all over the internet. But we also try to talk ourselves into smaller things yeah. or try to like get back into things or just try to better our lives. Just a little something. We don't want to harp on it. Just want to bring it up. Have a casual conversation about it. And this week I needed to. I was required to talk myself into <laughs> tying finally a tie. learning how to tie a tie. <laughs> I knew this Dan was knows coming. We're friends. I am a 30 three yeah 33 year old man i've never tied a tie in my life and i got a job that requires it and i was like oh boy and i tried to teach you you try to teach me you were not having it (laughs) i was there for that yeah i i gave up and then i was like all right youtube videos first attempt colossal failure (laughs) second attempt nailed it i was like half windsor easy four moves Mm. doing it don't care about windsor is that what it's called I don't know. I don't know. It's the one with the four. It's, there's like one that has five four steps. Four in hand? No. It, I don't know what it's called, but okay. I figured out how to do it. Okay. First two days, YouTube video, boom, got it. Got it. Try to do it by myself without a video. Posted a picture online. Didn't go well. It was pretty much a clown tie. It was a clown tie. <laughs> but the, the second one that I did without the video worked fine. So I got it. I know how to tie a tie. Are you being it's one of those lame boys who keeps it tied and tries to slip it on and off? Yes. I, oh, yeah. So I do it the night before because I don't want to, in the morning, have to be <laughs> on like my 10th try. It works. You and what's all the so, other nine-year-olds. What's so lame about no, no. that? Who well, cares? let me rephrase. If you do it the night before and do it once, that's fine. Yeah, that's but okay. But don't try to keep it like forever and slipping no, it on and off. No, because I had a tie. That's ruined ties. Well, and they just look worse and worse. I had a tie that was tied for my grandfather's funeral in 2009. Oh boy. That I still had tied, and I was like, "Oh, this knot's bad." So I untied it, had to iron it, retied it. But that little boy is going to be stay tied for a while until it's. It looks terrible. It's going to look terrible after like a week or two. Yeah, but I don't see the problem of it. You don't care if you look terrible. No, I, I the, the thing with this is like, I, yeah, it sucks. I have to wear a tie, but like I, I look, I'm, I mean, I look as good as my body will allow me to look, but 
You've been looking pretty dapper. I've been seeing some Snapchats of you going in before work, and you're looking pretty snazzy. Yeah, I do. So I'm, I'm trying to just get a grasp on it, see how much people care about it, see how lazy they are. Sometimes some <laughs> people have been wearing some like ratty-looking shirts. So, you know. But if you put the practice in now, it'll be easy. You can do it whenever. It's already pretty easy. I used to tie my tie. This is not a good suggestion, by the way, but I used to tie my tie while driving to work. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, that's... Don't do that. But you get to be a pro. I've also tied it like in the dark in my room with no glasses on and no mirror just by feel. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get there. I've done it Not five if you times. keep pre-tying, I've Jeff. done it five times. Don't be a pre-tire. I'm going to get better. A I friend used- of ours, Adam, had to wear a tie when he worked at a grocery store, <laughs> and he literally just tied it in a knot. It was the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It was a skinny black 80s style tie, and he just tied it in a knot, and it just hung in two different directions. Well, I did see a coworker had a bow tie, so that's an option. Yeah. I haven't seen a bolo tie yet. Oh, that'd be dope. Yeah, I'm excited about that. If you're going to get a bolo tie, wear your regular clothes, like a shirt and pants and everything, but also wear cowboy boots, like black boots and a black bolo tie. That would be... Mm. I used to have to wear a lot of ties for concerts and stuff when I was in choir. So I learned pretty early. But. Yeah, I have to wear the tie to go to a cubicle where nobody looks at me for eight hours and then go home. <laughs> yeah, I that's feel you. We, we were presented with the option at my job of wearing the tie every day or wearing an Oxford style work shirt with the company logo. And I was like, I will buy all of them and wear them so I never have to wear a tie again. Oh, yeah. So nice. you do that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish I could do that. Wow. You never know. The times they are changing. Jimmy, what the hell are you talking yourself into this week? Sir? Oh, boy. So uh, last weekend I went to, it was a retro video game convention, maybe even two weekends ago at this point. But I picked up a video game that I've always knew about, but I never touched it because I always thought it was for those dirty casuals. Wow. Um, it Candy is a- Crush <laughs> Saga. Oh, uh, no. Uh, it was a game called Animal Crossing, which is for the Nintendo GameCube. I've heard of this, and I think the same thing about you. <laughs> so this is a game that literally is just about like helping out villagers in your home. It's it's just it's it's a game literally about routine. You keep on doing the same thing every day. I mean, that's life. That's what life is. Yeah, that's so the game. You're it, already playing it, man. It's adorable. You're going deep. You're you're playing and you're helping out little villagers that are little cute animals. There's a little raccoon named Tom Nook. Who uh, owns the shop and also uh, owns oh, your mortgage? So they're anthropomorphic. Yes. Oh, I thought it was like a farm kind of thing. Oh no, no, no. they're anthropomorphic animals that you talk to that are villagers. All right. Okay. It's adorable. All right. I like <laughs> it more than I thought. And I what are your like tasks and goals? <clears throat> you have to like bring. Uh, well, your main thing is that you have to pay off your mortgage to Tom Nook. <laughs> Um, so it's literally a game about paying off your, your mortgage and it's bells instead of uh, money. So you have to pay like a thousand bells for your mortgage. Do and, they have um, any, um, do they have any, uh, early paint, like pr- principal pay down fees or anything like that? <laughs> no, they don't. They, they even make a joke saying that I had no money to give down. And he was like, why are you moving to this village if you have no money? But um, I think you have like a thousand bells or something like that to start off with. But cool. it, it's literally a game that's just it's supposed to be just a cute little fun fun thing. And it also goes through like different seasons or whatever. If you have a good GameCube that still has like the battery working, um, the uh, the time should progress. Like say I don't play for two days, the time still progresses two days. Mm. And so if you don't keep on coming into the into the game, like weeds start to pop up and you have to weed the uh, village and stuff. And it's just a cute little game. It's so wholesome, Jeff. Yeah. This reminds me of a conversation from the Howard Stern show. Oh, boy. Between staff member Mamet explaining Red Dead Redemption 2 to Howard. (laughs) I'm a bad cowboy. Where he's like, why would I want to play a video game where I have to feed and water a horse? (laughs) Yeah. 
it's it's pretty similar there's some realistic things it's like you have to do that really like you have to kill bugs in your house like there are just like cockroaches running around that sounds not fun and then you have to collect bugs and i never and, understood those games like tamagotchi i got because he carried it with you yeah it was like breaking technology at the time yeah but i don't know man i'm, I'm, glad, know. I'm glad you like it i like it it's cute my friend colby just gave me his memory card because uh if you go to his he gave me his memory card so i can go to his village from my memory card and go buy something and that gives him something so like he can't gets, even like, do something new... cool like raid his village or burn down his village no no it's it's way more wholesome just go there that. to shop and murder yeah. his tom nook yeah <laughs> so that's what you gotta do oh man so yeah i love it it's well, so good i'm glad you're happy thank you daniel what are you talking yourself into man daniel eh yeah uh, lately, I've been talking myself into going back to college. Yeah. Oh, you're getting some of that brain learning done. Yeah, some book learning. Finally, uh, you'll be as smart as me. Yeah, Jeff and I were college dropouts, proudly, and I still don't- Community college dropout. <laughs> Get it right, Oh, I square. went to a state college, Jeff. Yeah, for <laughs> it an dropped hour. Out. <laughs> yeah. You went to the movies instead of going to college. I did do that a lot. <laughs> uh, I still don't really put a huge value on college education. I think that you can be just as smart and just as adaptable to the world we live in and the career of your choice. You're paying for experience. a piece of paper that says that you can do a job. Exactly. More money, yeah. which in turn just goes to paying off that debt. Oh, yeah. But I'm, I'm so in debt. So I don't place value on college education, but I do place a value on a college diploma, unfortunately, because right. I'm at the point of my career where if I want a, you know, to, to get a, a new job, yeah. a promotion... I need to have that diploma. So uh, luckily where I work, they offer a reimbursement program if I maintain a B average or higher, which should be difficult, but I'm going to try. <laughs> uh, so I'm taking classes online, yeah, um, which I think will suit me better than having to actually go somewhere because mm-hmm. I can just log on at like one o'clock in the morning and do class. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to give it a shot. I've done I all the preliminary stuff. I start this yeah. week. I suck at online classes. I definitely benefited from actually going and sitting in a lecture. Yeah. But I mean, if it's for you, I mean, online classes are a great way of doing it. What classes are you taking? Uh, I'm going for an accounting degree. Okay. So, like, but what? I literally transferred like nothing, like because <laughs> I was so bad in school. I dropped you didn't take out. any AP classes or anything in, in high school. Are credits no, like linked no. to your social security number? Or how does that work? No, you have to get a transcript from wherever you uh, went before. Um. So I did get my transcript, and I think I transferred one. like uh one like what do you call it like a free what do you call those free classes that could be like on anything i don't know when electives you, yes when you, thank you oh. i transferred one music course as an elective and cool. i think i also transferred like the most basic like english writing course mm-hmm. which that one i was actually happy about because if i can get rid of a writing course that's pretty dope oh man i love writing i would love to take another writing class yeah i like writing too but it's not like creative writing it's yeah. like literature writing or something mm-hmm. and it's uh I did good in all those classes. I have, a, I actually have a lot of credits. Yeah, but it's time-consuming. Yeah, you went longer than I did. Yeah. I went for one semester. I dropped out in my second. And in the sec- in the first semester, I was on academic warning. So <laughs> oh, I, dropped, I dropped out towards the end of my fourth semester, which I should have just finished. Yeah. But I didn't. You were on your fourth semester in community college? Yeah, dude. Poli sci. Let's get it. What? Jeez. That's <laughs> crazy. I didn't know you were that far. You were like just about to get your associates. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh jeez, I don't know how to think about you now. <laughs> Bad decision, Jeff. Um, really what Jeff's alluding to is that I would get up every morning because I still live with my parents, and I would drive quote unquote to school. <laughs> but on the way, I would stop in another town and eat breakfast, sleep in my car, and then go watch a movie. And then I would drive home and say, "School was great today." <laughs> <laughs> the thing with me is, I dropped out because I'm so bad at math, which is really funny because mm. my previous job and now my current job is like exclusively math. Yeah, me too. But <laughs> they have computers for that. They do. Great. This is so uplifting. Yeah. I have many regrets in my life. Years ago, Dan decided to talk me into a certain band. The, he described them as Baroque Folk. They are a band called Fleet Foxes, um, who uh, I guess they're folk singers. I don't even know if I... Oh, uh, yeah. Early stuff is definitely folk. Yeah. They, they, I, I would say that they are folk, folk rock somewhere in there. Yeah. And, and they definitely have changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Grown and expanded stylistically to yeah. include a lot of different things. Yeah. What would you say are um, some of the prominent features that sort of hold them together? Uh, they're vocals for sure. I mean, the, Dan knows that I love like really good vocals and vocal arrangements because I was a choir kid. Um, so I really like when bands could blend and stuff. And you were showing me videos about how they were like practicing in a church or something or mm-hmm. a bell tower. Yep. Because their acoustics in there were like phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I would I would agree. I think the thing that unites all their different sounds mm-hmm. is rich vocal harmonies and textures and yeah, <clears throat> uh, melodic arrangements. So so this is a band that. I discovered from a friend of ours who is a pretty prominent YouTube music reviewer, Anthony Fantano. Oh, yeah. He was reviewing their second album, which we'll be talking about today, Helplessness Blues, and loved it. Which probably became like one of the, definitely one of his most important videos because it's one of his very few perfect 10 scores. Yep. So I was like, I got to check this band out because I I know him personally and I respect his opinion. Yeah. So I checked them out and I loved them. And around that time, I tried to get Jeff and Jimmy into them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You did. And Jeff was not having it. Not at all. Jeff, what's your exposure to Fleet Foxes? Just from you. But the thing is, so I do like a lot of different types of music. There's some stuff I like that Dan's like, oh, why do you like this? Just it doesn't matter the genre. If it's good, I'm going to like it. Um, as you can tell, even from this listening to talk me into, we've covered a lot of different kinds of music, yeah. but Dan would always play it at weird times. <laughs> and I'm hoping that that's why I don't like it. Cause like we'd be me in the too. car <laughs> on a long drive and I'm like, Oh, put something on. And he plays fleet foxes. And I'm like, no, this is really like when you're driving in a car on a road trip, maybe you just want to listen to something like for the road or something mm. to sing along with or something to talk. You could talk over, but this is like, it's relaxing. Yeah. It's calming. I, I don't I don't listen to like spa music when I'm driving to work. I'll listen to it when I'm going to sleep because it's soothing. So here's where I want to cut in a little bit because I I somewhat agree with you. I yeah. think that I'm hoping that the main reason why you haven't gotten into Fleet Foxes yet is because you haven't given them a chance in an appropriate environment. I agree with you. Like I do. Me and Jimmy do like to listen to Fleet Foxes yeah, on because car we trips. Like him. But we already know the songs. Yeah. It may not have been the best environment to expose you to. My favorite time to listen to Fleet Foxes is either at like a party, 
uh, like if I'm throwing like a house party or whatever, I'll throw that on just as good background music just to talk talk over. Or if I'm trying to relax or study or something when I was right. in college, it was perfect. Like that was Helplessness Blues is probably my most played album when I was in college because I just listened to it constantly. And I think that the timing of us recording this yesterday, um, uh, Record Store Nearest Red Scroll Records on their Instagram stories, they post like new new inventory yeah. they have. And they just restocked an album I really like from a band called Beirut called Gulag Orchestra. Mm. So I was listening to that last night because I haven't listened to it in a while. And I was like, oh, I want to go buy this record that they have. And it's not the same type of music, but it's the same vibes. And I was like, I like this kind of music. Yeah. Like, I probably do like Fleet Foxes. I just haven't exposed myself in the correct environment to this. And like, maybe I'll like them, but I won't want to ever go see them live. But like, I don't know. I'm very open to this. They're pretty interesting live. I've seen some videos and stuff. Yeah, like I would love to see them live. Unfortunately, they haven't toured North America in, in a while. Yeah. Um, they were kind of on a hiatus for like five years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Their last album was, what, in 2012? And then their new one, Crack Up, came out in 2017, 2016, 2017. Yeah, that so sounds about right. Without the history of you guys like playing me the music and me yeah. not liking it, if this was brand new, mm-hmm. why do you think I would like fleet foxes i i do want to get a little bit into the band we can get a little bit more dip, depth in depth in the second part of the episode speaking mm-hmm. about each album individually um but they, they've been around since like 2005 2006 so you're not gonna answer my question yeah i am we're gonna get there <laughs> um so they're not they haven't been a, around a tremendous around amount of time they're right. not an old band they're still currently writing and performing yeah um it's pretty much two guys they're one of those bands that's had yeah. a lot of different members but Robin Pecknold is the singer and I would say main writer, songwriter, but the other guy is his childhood friend, Skylar Scaleset. It's like a Scandinavian name. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, but they grew up in a suburb of Seattle and they went to school together and bonded over like their love of folk music and formed the band. And like I said, other people have come and gone. Notably, um, Father John Misty. Father John Misty was their drummer for a period of time who's gone and launched his own solo career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who I also do really like too. He's been on SNL. Fleet Foxes haven't. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. I believe they have a while ago. Um, <laughs> Jeff's looking it up. But like Jimmy mentioned, um, they were sort of like a local act. And then in 2000, where is the year? Wow. 2008. 2008. Yeah. They, they launched. They had a self-titled EP that was pretty much distributed only locally. I can't believe I knew the year. Yeah. Good and, on me. And then 2008. Oh, they were on SNL in 2009. Uh, I told you. Oh, shit. Uh, 2008, they launched their first self-titled album on Sub Pop, and it was packaged with the Sun Giant EP. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, their yeah. second EP, their first full length. Um, I would say that definitely launched them into national awareness. Yeah. Um, they did some big touring with some big, well-known people. Really nice, like EP, like a uh, or LP too, like the cover art and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, um, Sub Pop is amazing. they do awesome presentations, yeah. and their second album, Helplessness Blues, which yeah, is probably better. their most critically acclaimed album, came out on Sub Pop as well. Yeah, um, that's the one that really they took off from. Like Jeff said, they played, they started getting on TV shows, things like that. Um, they toured for a while and then they went on a hiatus. There was I don't really know why they took so much time. Uh, the the dude went to college, right? Yeah, I don't know if that was officially so the like, only reason. So like Steve went to college and Blues Clues, yeah, like that. Well, and famously, The Descendants <laughs> had an album. Milo goes to college. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but they they were on high hiatus for a while and um i think there was there was some allusion to the fact that the singer robin pecknold had a difficulty with fame yeah and so the return album was crack up which had to do with his writer's block his Mm -hmm. issues with fame and notoriety and the success of the band um and I was just looking to see what label that came out because I don't think it came out on it Sub wasn't Pop. Sub Pop. No, Crack Up came out on None Such Records in 2017. Yeah, definitely uh, a different direction. Yeah, it's a departure for sure. Yeah. So those are the three albums. Were, uh, the Sunshine EP is really cool, but I think there's like one or two good songs on there. I think um, that the first EP is a good introduction of the band and their sound and and some of these things that hold you know hold them together. And then Helplessness Blues is sort of like the quintessential Fleet Foxes album. Yeah. Crack Up, I love. It's one of my favorite. Jimmy doesn't like it as much. I'm interested in going in this with a critical eye because I I remember listening to it and be like, this doesn't sound like Fleet Foxes. Yeah, it's very experimental and yeah. weird. And... So I'm definitely, I'm super open-minded to this last album. Give, take in mind, I do love the band, so. Yeah, but... and to answer your question, Jeff, if there was no history to it and all this stuff... Why do I think you would like Fleet Foxes? Me personally. You personally. Just audience, stop listening. Yeah, you're <laughs> out of this. Audience. Keep it playing, but stop listening. Um, <laughs> no, why I think that you would like them is I think if you're willing to make an effort, which I think you are based on some of the stuff you've had us listen to, and dive a little bit deeper than surface value, there's a lot of richness in the music. There's a lot of texture and depth. The instrumentation is really thick. The vocals are, like I said, layered and and textured and rich. And the lyrics are a really cool interplay of like sort of, I would say, lofty ideas, but with classical, not classical meaning classical music, but like simplified wording. Right. So meaning they're tackling big issues of life, family, death, philosophy, but they're putting them in a folky, down-home, traditional sort of way. Mm. What do you think, Jim? You have any other things that you think jeff might like about fleet foxes um i think you might like it like uh, like you say it's sleepy time music i think you'll <laughs> like it as as good music to relax to but there is enough depth that you can actively listen to fleet foxes yeah, yeah, yeah. especially yeah, if you like like what i want to encourage you to do when you listen to the music is sure take a listen to just let it wash over you and stuff listen while you're driving or at work or whatever that's generally what i do with these episodes yeah but then i do want you to take a listen where you do go deeper and you think about the instrumentation they they're really yeah they do some really interesting stuff in the studio with what instruments they use and just how layered everything is and then the vocal harmonies and and especially the lyrics too songwriting just in general too they take some weird weird turns yeah especially crack up yeah um, crack up a lot of stuff has like full orchestration and horn sections and stuff like that mm-hmm. and I'm going to drop a little surprise on you guys right here oh boy something we haven't talked about uh oh I don't think Jimmy's even seen this nope there is a very well produced live video of oh. one of their performances from the crack up tour they do songs from crack up as well as previous releases and I'm going to ask that we watch that video it's on YouTube is it like feature length no, it's a concert, so it's like 25 minutes, 35 it's minutes, something concert. like that. Well, it's part of a festival, I believe. Oh, that makes sense now. I don't want to get... I, I haven't done a lot of the research. We're going to include the details in the show notes, and we'll talk about it more in the second half. But like I said, it's from the Crack Up Tour. So, Jim, one more time for the listeners at home, 
what are we having them listen to? We're going to listen to their self-titled EP, Fleet Foxes. Nope, their self-titled full length. LP. Thank you. Yes. Did I say EP? Yeah. I meant LP. We're going to be listening to the first album, then we're going to listen to the second album, which is probably one of my favorite albums of I all time. I hope we're going to listen to the third album. Helplessness Blues, and then, yes, we are going to listen to the third album, Crack, Crack Up. And we are going to watch a video of them live, because I want Jeff to see that these guys can really do it. They're not a studio band. Well, sometimes no, you hear these bands that are I, that have these big, impressive studio albums, and then they sound like crap live. Yeah. These guys do it all. They do the full production. Yeah. I'm excited to see that. I'm so, going in with open ears. Hey, it's your boy, Jimmy, coming at you to talk about my charity live stream that's going to be on September 29th at around 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard Time? It's Eastern Standard Time, idiot. The charity that I'm raising money for is called Child's Play, where they're donating games and toys to children in hospitals. We're celebrating 10 years of my cringy-ass video blogs. So I'm getting a bunch of my friends together, getting them tipsy, and we're gonna watch them. It's gonna be a blast. We're also gonna be doing games, and we're gonna be giving stuff away, maybe some signed copies of my movie called God Only Knows, the script, not the actual movie. We did not do a physical release of that. So I hope you like it. Tune in on twitch.tv slash sonofafitch, S-O-N-N-E-V-A-F-I-T-C-H. So make sure you tune in and tell them Talk Me Into Sent Me, which is kind of funny because that's me. Fleet Faxes. Yeah. Was the band that we listened to these last couple of weeks. And we all loved it. The end. All right. <laughs> see you next week where we talk about Red Letter Media. Goodbye. No, so, but really, let's talk about it. Because yeah, let's you don't get know if I it. loved it. I don't. We have to find out if I did love it. Or if I was lukewarm to it, or if I was Leia warm to it. Okay. So just <laughs> just to, to recap, Jimmy and I asked right. you to listen to the self-titled album. Self-titled. Helplessness Blues. Helplessness Blues. And Crack Up. Crack Up. And we, we talked about, I threw in at the last minute, let's watch a live video. Yeah, yeah, let's. So yeah, the, we did. The end of... I think I may have referenced live at the Sydney Opera House, which is no longer on YouTube. Oh, in, yeah. In an easily accessible way. So instead, I sent you guys a link for um, live at the Pitchfork Music Festival, mm -hmm. which will be in the show which notes. Which is some hip shit that yeah. I didn't know existed. <laughs> yeah. It's like a perfect venue for a band like this. Oh, so yeah. So we'll get to that at the end, but let's start off with the self-titled album since uh, chronologically it's first. You want to sort? We're not. We don't yeah, have to hit every we're, track. We're not gonna but. go track by track, but we're. I'm gonna try to like tell you guys how I was feeling. Yeah. When yeah. these songs came up, uh, my opinions musically, lyrically, if it comes up, but like I'm not gonna dissect every song. No. If there's stuff um, that I think that you're skipping over, I'll jump in. And Jimmy, I'm sure we'll do the same. Yeah. So Jeff, kick it off. Yes. Okay, let's go with Sun It Rises. So this opens up, and it's like an old spiritual gospel vocal intro. It's kind of like, oh, brother, where art thou? You which, and me are on the same page. <laughs> which I know because Dan sings that little girl part all the time. He does. Like, I forgot about yeah, that. I do often, not. <laughs> I don't even know what it's called. but like In the it, Highways and the Hedges? Yes, that one. But this, I wrote down, this sounds like a baptism in a southern river. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, kind it, of. it does. It's like a down home. It also sonically sounds like a sunrise. It just grows and grows oh, yeah. and grows from the beginning. But and then that, once it's there. And that theme is kind of throughout their their music. Yeah, there's a lot of oh, yeah, very pastoral ebbs yeah. and flows. 
uh, yeah, then it goes into acoustic guitars. And uh, I don't, so immediately what I don't really like about Fleet Foxes. And so before I even took these notes, I listened to everything. So not with like a a sharp ear, but Mm -hmm. I just had it on while I was driving. And I'm not really into their vocals like not the way oh, it sounds oof. but just like lyrically i guess i i can't get into it i don't know but um yeah that's sun and rises there's a lot more songs so we can move on if you like i mean i thought this was a cool opener because it showcased what jimmy and i like right mm-hmm. off the bat which is these very shimmery dense vocal harmonies oh yeah like i was thinking about the entire time listening to them i love the vocal harmonies and that's like even just the main singers uh just it's so weird because he's very nasal forward yeah but he has such like rich vocals and i don't know it's it sounds so good let me reword that because maybe i said the wrong thing okay i like when they do the oohs and the ahs okay because it sounds good in my ears yeah but i'm not really a fan of his like the way he he says things and sings his intonation yeah, that might is be it, it a tone thing or is it a phrasing? I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll, you sound we'll very uninformed, on. so let's move on. I, I'm not, you guys know a lot more about music uh, technicalities than I do. Oof. The White Winter Hymnal, which I think I was just singing before we yeah. started. Yeah. I was following the I was following yeah. the I was yeah, following. Yeah. I'm, I, that's, it's such like a traditional round. And, like, I think I've heard it in every Wes Anderson and Greta Gerwig, Fox. <laughs> I would say this is a big song for them. Yeah, it, it got, um, movie I've ever heard. <laughs> it got covered by uh, Pentatonix not yeah. that long ago. So that was a big deal. This showed up on the Pentatonix Christmas album for yeah. some reason. Well, not only, like, I'm pretty sure I've heard the song, I'm pretty sure I've heard a lot of songs like this song yeah. in a lot of indie movies starring, mm. like, comedians who are taking a shot at dramatic roles sounds pretty accurate i can see that yeah yeah so did you like the song yeah it's a good song yeah it is a good song yeah i I liked it it's very catchy um like i said i was just singing it yeah it got in my head that's good ragged wood and then i typed whoa drums because like (laughs) even if there are drums in the other songs it's not like right it's not like up front in a part of the song just kind of in the background it's you more know, like setting percussion. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but this is just, this is like a standard rock and roll kind of Kit. drum beat. And it comes in right away with that snare drum, which is very abrasive. Cause like you said, we might get some floor toms and some little shimmery yeah. cymbals, but this one is like, like and so far yeah. it's, it's pretty soft and the vocals are very calming. Mm. And yeah, it, this one, um, and that does come up throughout this album. This um, one, uh, reminded me like a gallop of through the forest it's got that feel like that you know i don't know how to describe it it's a gallop through the forest yeah it's a gallop through the forest we both said gallop yeah um tiger mountain peasant song which is the greatest title i've seen so far (laughs) yeah uh there's some titles later on that i don't care for but this is a good one and musically this shit is like when you're wandering the town in dragon warrior it's just (laughs) like like a fantasy epic renaissance fair kind of we are on the same page (laughs) oh boy (laughs) i wrote down 
this is a song that a traveling bard sings in an ancient hall. <laughs> it's true. This, like, immediate, like other than the eight bit, like I was like, is this Dragon Warrior the soundtrack? <laughs> to me, this one solidifies the baroque folk genre that they've sort of were pegged with early yeah. on in their career. Well, also the album cover is very yeah, very artsy. It's yeah. like a Renaissance painting or something. Uh, quiet houses, more drums. And I couldn't tell if there was like synth or keyboards. Um, I mean, later on when we watched the concert, I saw that there, there was. Yeah. Um, but I think it's cool that there, the fusion of the electronic instruments with these classical instruments, and it's not like they're a classic band. Like you know, they're all using guitars and stuff. Um, yeah, but they're doing them in interesting things. Like I think the part that you're referencing is actually a combination of electric guitar and harpsichord. Right. So that sounds did, right. So I was also thinking, I'm like, is it actually like a stringed instrument? Or I, I couldn't really tell because everything blends together. Like on the grand, the, the, the large scope of Fleet Foxes, everything blends well. Um, nothing mm-hmm. really stands out, but in a good way. Yeah, I think one thing I wrote down for this song is um, the vocals seem to be more of an instrument than instead of like a traditional rock band where the yeah. music is backing up the vocals, the instruments are an equal or the vocals are an inch equal part of the overall sound. That that's why so far we're like six, seven songs in and we haven't even talked about lyrics because yeah. I don't, I couldn't follow along. <laughs> I, I like it's, it, that's not the point. I don't think I'm sure. And um, sometimes I think they are, but, um, and I think they come in, come into play more in the later albums yeah i did yeah. know a, a couple but not often I mean, a lot we, of times you get like you reference oohs and ahs which are just like adding texture mm-hmm. and chords to the song yeah i don't know any lyrics to fleet foxes like there's a couple songs <laughs> me and Jimmy that I just don't. sing along made up words i do a lot of the time yeah I do. me too yeah it's fun <laughs> so at this point in this album everything started to bleed together for me uh-oh um so i actually didn't take any notes because I didn't know what to write that I didn't already cover because a lot of it is very similar to me. Mm. And I don't know if you guys want to bring up anything from the last four songs or whatever um, you can, but I don't know if I could add too much onto what I've already said because the, the second half of the album is a lot like the first half. I mean, there's a few things I'd like to touch yeah, on. Go for it. Um, the next song, he doesn't know why Th- this one. I did connect a little bit more with the lyrics there. They're darker. They seem to be about someone struggling with addiction. There's that um, repetitive phrase of there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was an interesting juxtaposition to the music, which still s- stands pretty upbeat throughout the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, do you have, did you have anything to add for any of the later songs? Um, pretty much just uh, I'm sort of in the same boat as Jeff where these songs don't really... Uh, they don't have any individual power to me. I kind of look at this album as just like one whole thing. Right. Yep. It's like um, a piece. Which isn't a bad thing. I, no, I really I like that so, about that. I don't know if I could talk much more. Yeah. I pretty much agree with you. There, for one exception, the last track, Blue Ridge Mountains, is one of my personal favorites. There's Oliver James, too. That's not the last track. Oh, I'm sorry. It just was a cutoff on oh, my page. I gotcha. Second to last track, yeah. um, Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, the music and the lyrics, to me... I don't know exactly what he's saying, but they evoke an image of some sort of um, like a sorrowful or a sad family reunion. Mm-hmm. It, the, I don't know if this is where it's coming from, but to me, I always envision family members who are spread out across the country coming back together for a funeral or something. Mm. So it's about these people coming back to the Blue Ridge Mountains, but it's not in a, for a joyful reason. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
I like Oliver James too. I like the I like the very end where he's just singing and it, it kind of like trails off. The music stops yep. and he's just singing. Just stripped down to a bare vocal. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, that was cool. I, I think as Jeff mentioned, it stands that song as the closer helps yes. it stand as a pe- like one piece. Yes, yes. Because with Sun It Rises in the beginning, we get the whole album growing. Yeah. And then, and then with Oliver ends, James, it decays. Yeah, it ends with a, a sunset. So did you guys have any other opinions about the album as a whole? Uh, nothing I didn't already say. Okay. Um, You know, I, I think that musically it's it's really full and there's a lot of depth. Mm. And, yeah, and I agree with you. A texture. lot of layers, a lot of texture. And I like that because if you're listening, you can pick out the different instruments and all these crazy mm-hmm. parts that they're playing. But if you're just relaxing, reading a book, driving, yeah. whatever, having it on, it's it blends together very well. Yeah, so, that's why I was saying like I love putting that in on like at a party or something. Yeah, I think it's great background music. Uh, every time I listen to this album, I always forget how much I like it. Like there's so many yeah. songs and like different <laughs> melodies and stuff that come up that I'm like, oh yeah, I, I know this one. Oh yeah, I know this one too. And it's um, I think they did a good job as presenting it as a whole, whole piece. Yes. But the one thing I think they get better with to segue to our next album mm-hmm. is I think on this one there's a few parts that are a little jarring, like they or have, stand out. Yeah, they have outros that don't really fit the rest of the song. Yep. That comes up a couple times. Yep. Um. So I think we should get into Helplessness Blues. Of the three albums, this was my least favorite. What? Wow. Oh, You're alone wrong, on planet is Earth. Is that a wrong opinion? Yeah, that's a little wrong. Okay. I mean, it's not my favorite. Um, oh, it's my favorite. But I'd say it's second for me out of what we listened to. It's definitely my favorite. Most people, this is their Fleet Foxes album. Wow. This is I was, the consummate Fleet Foxes sound. Yeah, I was also wrong. I don't know if I'm going to make an edit in the first part, but this is not... A perfect 10 out of 10 from the internet's busiest music nerd. It was a 9 out of 10. Which is pretty up there. Yeah, it's pretty up there. I think he named it his favorite album of the year. I'm not completely sure. I'm not a huge Fantano aficionado. Track but. one, Montezuma. Yeah. I've heard of his revenge, but I haven't heard this song. <laughs> um, this is one of the first songs where the lyrics actually jumped out at oh, me. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I'm as old as my fa- mother and father when they had their daughter. And that's... That's good. That's hard for me That's because I'm a year older than my mom when she had me, who oh, was yeah. kind of old when she had me. Um, <laughs> I mean, once you hit like 35, it's a geriatric pregnancy. Let's yeah. be real here. I'm older than both my parents when they met each other. Yeah. And married, too, I think. Maybe just, mm. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, yeah, just, just that sucks. We're... This song hits hard a lot of parts. There's also that line... Both the slave and the empress will return to the dirt, I guess, naked as when they came. Like, there's a lot. He's tackling some big issues about life and death and um, the value of... Mortality. Yeah, and feelings of inadequacy, being small and unimportant. This song is great, lyrically. Lyrically, yes. Musically, not a very captivating album. Uh, What do you think of his uh, vocal performance in this album? I think that... Because I listen to everything so close together, yeah, it's kind of sounds the same to me. Like mm. I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying that he's bad, yeah. But all three albums, I think that his performance is 
pretty consistent. Mm. I feel um, that way too. I, I think in this album he really shines. Like every song, like he he goes some like crazy places. Like I was singing along to a couple things. Even watching the uh, the video, which we'll get to, I was like amazed that he was doing that in a live performance. Yeah. Um, Bedouin dress. Bedouin dress. This uh, is where he starts to get into some trippy stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Lyrically. I, I, lyrically, I'm not. I don't remember, but. Uh, just it's boring and slow like musically it's just it wasn't capturing me or my attention Uh, but it had claps and then like then there was like a i think it was a fiddle that came in and like i like that so like at first i'm like okay this is boring and then there's some some clapping going on (laughs) and then there's some fiddling what if i just pulled out a fiddle right now and fiddled as a demonstration um yeah i'm i don't know so lyrically, we start to see a theme emerge that comes back later in the album. Mm. He makes a reference to one day at Innisfree, which if you look up, there's not a lot of information online, but it seems to be um, a reference to a utopia type environment. Mm. I think he's using it personally to describe heaven or an yeah. afterlife idea. Yeah. Um, you want to go to the next song? Yes. Sim Salabim. On Ooh. your tongue. So I, I hate these silly song names. They keep getting sillier as time goes on, and I don't know the story behind them, and I didn't look it up. So it might be a good song name, but they start getting weird. Well, the song seems to be about someone. I don't know. He makes reference to performing incantations, and Sim Salabam is a nonsense phrase that was used by magicians in the 19th century. Oh, so it's a pre-abracadabra. Abracadabra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sim Salabim on your tongue. He does say it in the song. Yeah, but I don't know what that could be a liquor. It could be a vodka oh. from Russia. <laughs> from Mother Russia. I think the one that stands out, the thing that stands out to me on this track is that powerful acoustic guitar outro. Yeah. Would you did you make reference to that? Like the whole song kind of drops out and then you get da na 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 like yeah, but like I said, they do that so often that it's not really a standout for me when it happens because Uh-oh. I anticipate a lot of songs starting quiet, getting louder, getting quiet again, and then just it's it's formulaic. Okay, from what I've heard, <laughs> that's how I, I feel heard. about crack up. I would I would agree. Uh oh, ooh, we're gonna get there. And then another silly song named Battery Kinsey. Is this a wrestler name? Is it a male porn star name? Is it a thrash <laughs> metal band? I don't know. And at this point, uh, I can't really differentiate the songs anymore. Everything's a blur. Everything. It, it, I, <laughs> this I, is an ongoing. I'm trying theme. so because, like, I I knew that when I even wrote in a later note when we were recording, I was not going to remember the songs. So I tried yeah. to write everything so I could talk yeah. for a half hour about it. But nothing stands out to me in this. Stood out to me when I was listening to it for me to write it down. This one has some pretty dark lyrics. What talk, talk about? I woke up it. one morning, all my fingers rotten. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and sing the song. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's do it this way, Jeff. What do you want to talk about next? Uh, all right. Well, I'll I'll just go with what I wrote because it's what I remember. And the next song, "The Plains Bitter Dancer," which was a pretty long song, is pretty much two songs. Don't know why it's one track. Um, I wrote, I'm sure when I read this note, I won't remember the song, but God damn is the energy so low. It doesn't register on any energy registering scale. And then I skipped it like oh halfway boy. through. Cause like, what am I, what am I gonna talk about when I'm bored shitless? Hmm. 
Well, I think they actually made a smart decision with this song because in the last album we listened to, we skipped over it, but Heard Them Stirring is basically a musical interlude. <laughs> what? I, I hit the table by accident. Oh, you looked very shocked when I said musical. I, I was very shocked because I went to scratch my head and I hit the table with the back of my hand. So we, we had a separate track that was basically like an, like um a musical, like a yeah um an instrumental. I mean, there were some oohs and ahs, but there was no lyrics. Mm. Uh, on this album with the Plains Bitter Dancer, they seem to like combine that. Like the first part of the song is is an instrumental, and then they go into um, Bitter Dancer, which I agree is not like my favorite song on the album. I think it's passable, but uh, yeah, I think it's fine. Then we get to Helplessness Blues, and uh, I thought that the lyrics are very generic poetry, unique like a snowflake. It's- cool dude sounded like a you're you're a not getting the point of it mumford and sons because i stopped listening to it after like two lines because it was corny he's saying the opposite of that he's he's it's a coming of age basically tale where he's he's asking where he belongs he was taught that he was unique like a snowflake but he's starting to realize that that's not the case and he wants to know where in the world is the spot for him? He'd rather be a cog in some piece of great machinery because at least then he'll know where he where he fits in and what he should do with his life. So what you're telling me is that I'm too lowbrow to understand this. <laughs> no, I'm telling you maybe you just didn't read the lyrics. I didn't read the lyrics, but I listened. He literally says, like, it's pretty straightforward lyrically for them. And I think it's, like, very powerful because in these types of songs or these types of bands, you do get a lot of things like, you're a snowflake you're special you're beautiful you're perfect and he's saying like that's confusing i don't want to be this one-of-a-kind perfect thing that has to go out in the world and find something it's easier for me to just Mm -hmm. fit into a part of a whole in your defense as i've said so far we've listened almost two full albums i told you i wasn't really listening to the lyrics i probably wasn't paying attention to the the actual lyrics because I didn't I well that's a shame because this is one of their up best to this songs. Point, I haven't found the lyrics captivating, so y- I'm I'm giving you this win. <laughs> you're you're right. And then it goes to that cool dreamy outro. If I had an orchard and all that stuff, mm-hmm. which to me is like an interesting set piece with the rest of the lyrics because he's he's sort of letting himself daydream. He's got these big questions and stuff. And then he's like, well, if I had my way, I would do this. I'd have an orchard and I'd work in the fields and stuff. So we go from that, that daydream, beautiful little lullaby to more noticeable drums in Lorelei. Lorelei. I don't even have notes for that. What did I miss? Did I skip a song? Oh, you skipped the cascades. I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, it's an instrumental, but. Oh yeah. No, I like this one. There was like a million little triplet, triplet, triplets in the beginning. Yeah. See, I know music theory guys. Yeah. There's some of that. And there was one part where it sounded like the HBO theme. So that was cool. (laughs) Uh, Cool. And then Lorelei, there's noticeable drums. See, see, so I like the ones without words. Yeah. And uh, I, I did write down that I prefer the lyricless vocal parts. Again, the oohs and ahs. So you just want like background music, basically, from this band? That's what I like from them so far. And maybe the lyrics are good, but I don't like his singing voice. Mm. It just hasn't uh, caught on to me. And then um, I think um, like you were talking about the drums. I really like the flute at the end of this. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It reminds me of like a country fair. You get this like finger picking guitar and like this simple drum beat and stuff. And it did... um, 
in the concert there was a flautist there yes which i noticed I thought that. was cool well he's we'll get more into it then but later on but he's a multi-instrumentalist so he plays like whatever depending on what they need for the song right um and then like full disclosure i skipped the rest of it because i was so bored with the rest album. of it there was an eight minute audio ambient in there. I wasn't going to sit through it. I was so bored up to this point. There was no way I could possibly sit through. I skimmed through it to see if anything interesting happened and nothing did. The shrine slash an argument is like it. a great song. I think it's all great. Like I, I, I'm, I'm sort of, like I said, I'm sort of in the same boat as Jeff where I don't really care about the lyrics. I just kind of like the emotion it emotes and what, what it gives you i agree with you um i think that I, I made a point not to really look up meanings behind lyrics because i think they're very um they're up to interpretation yeah and there's a lot of imagery and i think there's a lot of uh i can't think of the term impressionism sort of it like i i definitely think they want you to see what you see in it yeah um but in the shrine um there's that really cool vocal melody line where he goes up high sunlight over me no oh yeah yeah that's what i was talking I about like yeah, that is really good that's a big range thing yeah he goes sure. real high and he doesn't do it and in falsetto belts it, yep which um, i think is really cool lyrically there's also um a cool thing in here where he's talking about he's got all these fears and worries about what he's dealing with and he's praying and he's going to the shrine but then at some point he decides he's going to give it over and let the ocean breeze carry him to Innisfree so we're back that's mm -hmm. the theme I was talking about from Bedouin dress yeah um and then it has that really cool weird fragmented saxophone solo at the end um oh I want to hear that I should have listened to it <laughs> it's I like, like saxophone and it's super atonal it sounds like he's just going like it's cool it's uh to me, what I think of is that reflects the discord, the struggle yes. internally inside of him. Yeah. Um, is this the argument? The song is called The Shrine, which the first half is about him going to the shrine mm -hmm. and everything. And then there's the argument. Is this this internal struggle of whether to stay and try? That's how I looked at it, too. It, it's definitely very jarring. And like you shouldn't be able to listen to it and enjoy it. Right. We get... In the shrine, he's he's about fighting for what he wants and praying and trying yeah. and, and struggling. And then in an argument, we get a little bit of him giving up, letting it being washed mm -hmm. away by the ocean. So to me, this is what this song is really about. It's, yeah. it's about this internal conflict. Yeah. Um. So I guess Jeff doesn't have a lot left to say. Not about this album, no. But I, I mean, Blue Spotted Tail, I think is fine. I, we don't have to dwell on it, but I really like Grown Ocean a lot. Hmm. The, as a closer um i love the chugging rhythm that continues to grow stronger and he's like in that dream i could hardly contain it yeah i don't know it's cool it builds and builds and builds and he's just optimistic that one day he will like i think it has a nice ending for the album because mm -hmm. he's basically saying like he's had all these dreams that he's talked about through the album yeah and he's still optimistic that one day he'll be able to attain it and, and make these dreams come true yeah i think that's pretty inspiring in jeff's defense i think as somebody who just like who likes to listen to fleet foxes i would agree that the the a a side is probably better than the b side um i could see that but i've found that uh on all three of these albums and we'll get to the last mm -hmm. album but i would definitely agree with you on it. yeah do you have any overall thoughts about helplessness blues that you didn't really mention in passing no not on this i do have some overall thoughts on crack up we'll get to that 
Well, I think even part. you could go along with the idea that it's this album is a progression on the first one. If you don't, if it doesn't progress the way you like it, then I can understand that. But yeah, I mean, you can't deny that structurally. I think it's tighter. The songs, yeah, are I'd agree 100%. a little bit more poppy. By no means are they bad at what they do. Just like it's I'm not your preference. I'm being pretty negative right yeah, now. Yeah, but it's just that I wasn't personally entertained in the way that I would like to be by mm. music by this album. What did you think about, I mean, Jimmy, you have some thoughts. This is your favorite Fleet Foxes album. Yeah, this is my favorite one. Uh, like you said, I, I feel like every song is very structured. It's structured very well, and they definitely hone in in their craft. And I really like the the performance that uh, the main singer, what's his name again? Robin Pecknold. Pecknold. Yeah, um, I was going to guess that. I just <laughs> thought of two random names, a first yeah. name and a last name, and yeah. it, was, it was Robert Pecknold. Wow, that's crazy. I think it's a more modern album. And I think, um, <laughs> is it, this is the one with the dragon warrior song. <laughs> I mean, compared to the first one and the EP that we didn't have you listen to oh. the, the first one feels like, eh, feels like an album from like the 1800s. Yeah. Like, I don't this know. One feels like an album from the 1900s. Yeah. But, Let's get to the 2000s. <laughs> I mean, no, but honestly, like, um, there's more electric instrumentation. Yeah. There's a lot more percussion and just standard rhythms throughout mm-hmm. the album. It felt more like rock inspired right yeah folk rock yeah um then we get to crack up crack up um so going into this one this was the first one i took notes on i listened to like everything but i was still kind of like you know i don't know so th- there might be a- actually a lot more um talking in this one i'm here for it uh the first track <laughs> i am all that i need uh, it was a very slash Arroyo Seco slash put, thumbprint scar. I put dash dash because I hate the title. The worst thing about this band are the titles and the pretentious. I understand they're they're telling some kind of story that I'm not interested in, but the, the titles don't need to be. You could you could use words that that make sense. Well, sometimes I'm with you, but there are times when especially on this album, there are clearly different sections, like different song ideas that are forced together. So he's given them each their own title. I get it. Like Touche Amore has a song that's a tilde, but like the symbol <laughs> and like there's a meaning behind that. But like, just just name it tilde. Don't put the little <laughs> symbol because I don't know what it's called. Or t- I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Is tilde even the, the yeah, name that for is. it? Or is it a it's Oscar a award woman, winning actress? I don't know, Dan. Okay. Anyways. Very quickly, because there's not much to say about the song, I thought it was a very slow build and dreadfully boring. But also, that being said, Crack Up is my favorite of the three albums. Wow. So Interesting. I love the deceptively quiet intro, because every time I listen to it, I am forced to turn my stereo up, and then when it finally comes <laughs> in, it scares <laughs> the crap out of me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the dick's juxtaposition of the the frantic city sections. Now, I don't know if you guys read the lyrics or where you read not. them. Nope. Well, if you read them on the album liner notes, there's a lot of, uh, like, I don't know how to describe it. Um, almost like when you read a play, you know, the stage notes, right? Mm-hmm. There's that in the lyrics. So he's literally so calling. He, it's <laughs> cool though. He's literally calling certain sections city and certain sections like beach and stuff like that. So there's an interesting juxtaposition from the city sections, which are that frantic da 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 yeah, yeah. And then there's other parts that are like sort of beachy and have like even steel drums and stuff I could like see that. that. Yeah. I think it's a cool opener. Cassius. 
Um, it's very orchestral. It's like a movie score. Um, and I already touched on this before, but it's a very full sound. It's so much depth, so many layers. And someone smarter than me would understand the theory behind it all, but I don't. But I can appreciate <laughs> that it's very well-made music. I don't think that it's someone smarter than you because I think th- this album has the hardest to understand lyrics. I think they're super introspective for him. I'm just talking about the music. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this one, it does help to read those liner notes because um, they've divided this song up into Above the Surface, which is the big, open, airy, full band stuff, Mm -hmm. Mm. and Under the Water, which is more electronic and repetitive. So that's cool flavor to add on. Like the line, I, I do like that as a piece of art. But should we and should I and should the listeners have to rely on reading liner notes to fully appreciate what this is? Because like most music, even if I own the album, I listen to digitally. I listen to in my car. I'm not mm-hmm. holding an LP's artwork while I'm driving my car to appreciate a song. Obviously not. I mean, you said to fully appreciate. Right. Sure. To fully appreciate it. I think you should. To appreciate it <laughs> while driving like an old man no but <laughs> here's a perfect example i love this album it's my favorite fleet foxes album i agree with you. i've only done this and read the liner notes twice the rest of the times i listen to my in my car and stuff yeah okay. and they are available online like if you just look up on a to z lyrics or whatever it mm. actually has these oh does it um little notes or whatever mixed in with the lyrics so it's easily accessible i'm just stirring the pot dan that's cool it's fair and balanced <laughs> fox yeah. news 2001 okay Nyads Cassidias Cassidays. Yeah. Cassidays. I liked it musically. I think there was like a very interesting key change in there. There are. And I am I don't understand the theory behind behind music. I understand that it's there and I sometimes recognize it. I don't know how to put it into words, mm-hmm. but I'm a sucker for stuff like that. Oh, the key changes yeah, and stuff? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That is really good in that song. Um, I love the seamless transition from Cassius and I sort of wish they had committed to doing one giant song out of these two because mm. this goes right. It fades right into it. Yeah. Yeah. Kept woman. There's a smooth transaction from the previous track. Transaction. Transaction. <laughs> transaction. I wrote the wrong word when I was on my lunch break in my car. Smooth transition. Um, um but before we get into that there, this song, um, I don't know how to pronounce it. Nyads, Cassades or whatever has one of my favorite stanzas in all their songs, and it's that thing at the end, the fire can't doubt its heat, water can't doubt its power. You're not a drift, you're not a gift, you know you're not a flower. Or in the words of Popeye the Sailor Man, I am what I am. (laughs) I mean, basically, he's empowering someone, saying, like, throughout the earlier part of the song, he's asking, I don't know this relationship, but he seems to be saying, like, who's so special that this person was able to get you to change who you are? Why are you dropping your phone? Just a clumsy, that was clumsy the weirdest. Oh, I thought you were making a statement. No, like I'm a clumsy boy. Boom! You got it, hundred percent right, Dan. I'm just dropping the mic, dropping just my phone right out of my. That Call was me Mister Butter. You're like really distracting in this episode. You're like banging tables, dropping things. I'm the opposite of what Fleet Foxes is supposed to accomplish in your life. Uh, so, anyways, I I love that thing at the end because he's empowering them and saying like. You're not a delicate little flower. You have strength. You have power. Like, you just need to accept it and rely on it. I probably should read the lyrics to this album because as I was was listening to this album, I remembered why I only listened to it once. You've only listened to this album once? Now twice. Why? I was like, I don't like it. 
Oh man! Wow, Jimmy, <laughs> did Dan talk you into yeah. crack up? Yeah, I don't um, know. The lyrics. I mean, it's not gonna tell a straightforward story like some yeah. of their al- other albums. They're very impressionistic. Yeah. Well, just as as I've been saying in this entire episode, is that I only like Fleet Foxes for like their really rich harmonies and their vocals and the music. And in this music, in this album, the music just feels boring to me. Oh, wow. I was the opposite. Uh, so Captain Woman, as well, I'm said, happy about that, transitions very smoothly from the previous unpronounceable track name. And this is a song that I listened to. And I was like, I know why Dan likes Fleet Foxes, because it's so Scarborough fairy. Yeah. Really? Like Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. You didn't. Like, it does feel vocally. like a throwback to some of their earlier stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very like 60s hippie kind of peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a really interesting music theory thing too. They're, they're going back and forth between minor and major keys mm. in a really cool way. But I, I agree with you. I, I there, did write down, is, this sounds like it could have been on helplessness blues. There is yes. a lot of dissonance yeah. and not just this song, but like no, this, this, album. this whole album. Yeah. And we talked about in the first part of this episode that the singer, Robin Pecknold, who's also the chief songwriter, you know, this is his mental breakdown album, his writer's oh, block album wow he was going through some shit and this is what came out and there's a, i think you hear that discord in the music yeah. uh third of may slash unpronounceable name uh, o- ode gahara so this is nine minutes long and yeah. i skipped the previous eight minute long song but i didn't skip this one and it's each one of these songs on his album it's weird that this is an album right so like digitally you can have an album however the hell long you want but you know if you go back to the 50s or whatever when uh albums were on records and mm-hmm. you had a limited amount of time one of these songs could be an a-side to an entire album to, i have this song like, on vinyl to like a film and it works score. is it yeah no i just mean i don't know because these songs these songs blend together unlike the previous Fleet fox when i was complaining they blend together and they become undiscernible these blend together so naturally that you don't even realize it's the next song. And it is like listening to um, like a movie score. It's very atmospheric and it really just like paints a picture of being there. And maybe because the album cover is like this watery, rocky crag kind of thing. Yeah. um, Maybe it just like set this image in my head of what I should be picturing while I'm listening to it. Um, It is. I mean, it's a double album, but it works. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but like, with this one it's nine minutes long there's a gradual build-up there's a lot of strings and then the last few minutes switch to like this somber classic guitars yeah i mean i want to get into this one deeper because this may be my favorite fleet foxes song and it is really good there's no vocals on the end right right um but the third of may section at the beginning is i would say the standout track on this album it's agreed i think it's vocally the catchiest um lyrically it's really cool too this one, I heard an interview with Robin Pecknold where he talked about a little bit. And this song is dealing with, and it's pretty clear just reading along, it's dealing with um, sort of the story of what's been happening in all the years in between Helplessness Blues and this album. How many years was that? Oh, you're killing me. They, they did take a long Six or break. seven. Yeah. Jim, why don't, why don't you look that up? Because okay. I, I do want to say something. Um, so... It's about divisions within the band, um, and it seems to point to struggles with Robin Pecknold's mental health. 
May the 3rd, the 3rd of May, is the date that Helplessness Blues came out. Mm. So he's talking about how everything seemed to come together around that day and everything was working and they were at the top of their games and now everything is like falling apart. It was six years. Yeah, so there were six years in between. Um, this was the first single of the album. Uh, yeah, it was. I remember when it came out too. I, I think you were impressed with it, but you didn't like the second half of it as much. Yeah, the ambient stuff is kind of weird when you listen to one song. Yeah. But as part of the album, like Jeff said... I agree. It's it's a cool transition from this upbeat um, 3rd of May section into the next section. Yeah. And to me, it really clarified what's going on in this album, which is that I don't think they were prepared for the success of Helplessness Blues. Yeah. And I don't think they dealt with it too well, mm. or especially Robin Pecknold. Yeah. I, I will say for this song... While, um, well, I do appreciate what what the idea of the song is. It, it definitely feels more like a, a Fleet Foxes song, whereas the rest doesn't. You mean the second half, just the entire album. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, whereas I, I kind of wish that they kept with that style. I understand why a lot of the music is very dissonant with the rest of the what rest of their backlog. Yeah, but. As a Fleet Foxes fan, I don't find that interesting. Well I, well, I find it interesting, but I don't enjoy listening to it. It's not to your taste. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a feeling. <clears throat> he's talked about writer's block and stuff. I think that he knew that he couldn't really top Helplessness Blues by doing yeah. the same type of thing. Yeah. So he wanted to just go far out in left field. Yeah. I don't know. Th- this feels to me like when the Gaslight Anthem had Get Hurt came out. Where they were like, we don't know what we're going to do next. And they're like, if you listen to that album now, though, in like retro, like separated from this is a new album. You just yeah. listen to it. It's a lot more similar to Gaslight Anthem songs, you know, yeah. than when it initially came out. I'll agree with you that. I mean, and we're going off on a tangent here because, you know, we didn't tell people. Let's talk about, about other bands. But <laughs> yeah, the difference. I think they were in similar situations where they had hit a crossroads and needed yeah. to change. But I think Gaslight tried to churn out more of the same. Yeah. Whereas Fleet Foxes, I mean, and it's not really Gaslight Anthem's fault. They had a contract and they had to put an album out. So they were just like, here's more songs. I think Fleet Foxes took six years and was like, we're going to reinvent this band. Yeah. And there's significant member changes. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to at the end. There's big changes with how they did their writing process and recording process. So I think they dove more into the art, and it's definitely different. I'm really curious about what the future is going to hold for them. Yeah, I am too. Full synth, new wave. Bring it. Pop. <laughs> uh, let, let's get back into the track. So the next one is If You Need To, Keep Time On Me. Uh, this one, the vocals were highlighted, and as I said before, I'm just less interested in these songs. Mm. Um, I did like how the piano came in towards yeah. the end, and that was, that was a nice little change. I like that song. I think it harkens back to some of the earlier Fleet Foxes stuff. Yeah. yeah. I love, like, just as a little nerdy thing, I love how they mic'd the acoustic guitar. Mm. You can hear his fingers squeak on the fretboard yes. as he moves from chord to chord. Yeah. And it sounds... It sounds old. Well, it also not, sounds not like he's way. in the room with you. Yeah. It's not super polished. If you're listening on headphones, it's kind of like yeah. binaural. Yeah. yeah. It's very intimate. Mark uh, Stappa. Mark Stappa. Mark Stappa. It's bassy. It's jazzy. Yeah. There's weird time signatures. There's weird key changes. And I'm into it. 
This one I actually looked up the name to try to figure out what it was because it seems some, somewhat Icelandic or something to me. Only thing I could find was this Merkstapa is an acronym, which I don't even remember what it stands that's for. It's a long acronym. But it's a cryptozoological group. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, and he talks a little bit about creatures with no eyes and stuff like that. Yeah, so I'm I should have listened to the lyrics. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this seems like a cryptozoology song. Nice. I don't have a lot to say about this other than that, though. Uh, on another ocean, January, June. I don't have anything to say about this. This is where the album starts to bleed together to me, and it sounds a little homogenous. Oh, so where, whereas we talked before, like some of the songs like don't really pop out. This is one of those songs to me. So this is one of the ones again where, as you can imagine, based on the title, it was split into sections: January and June. Yeah, and. Um, I like in the January section, there's a cool vocal melody that reminds me of Middle Eastern music. Did you get that vibe? I don't it's, remember. Not to get too nerdy, but it's an augmented seventh that's traditionally not done in like Western cultural music. In the the concert, there was a moment when he was like, this song is in E7. And then he played a chord and somebody was like, yeah, E7. And he's like, that was actually a G7 yeah. stayed. Boop, boop. <laughs> nerd yeah they're music theory i mean you You could just tell when you're listening you can tell yeah yeah and they're like they're like a sleepy dream theater oh boy (laughs) (laughs) except with art that's true um and then in the june section you get more of a traditional rock and roll vibe he's talking about running away from his issues and his problems Mm -hmm. and stuff uh fool's errand I thought this one was just long and drawn out. And boring. Oh, this one is so good. And this is my favorite album, guys. <laughs> Uh-oh. The the beginning has that cool thing where it's in 2-4, and it's the emphasis is on the downbeat, so it's like, dun, 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 dun. You know what I'm saying? It propels the song forward. It pushes you. If we were listening and you pointed it out, I'd be like, yeah, I could hear that, but I don't remember. Na, 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 na. Wait, keep going. Okay. And then it goes <laughs> to the chorus, and everything opens up. It was the a Doctor fool's Who theme song. Oh. Come on, guys. <laughs> Even Jimmy's like. <laughs> I knew I was fighting an uphill battle with Jimmy on this one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and it will. I should see Memphis. It was weird and avant-garde, and it was out there. There's a fun thing with the lyrics, though. Okay, Which you since, don't know about. Since I didn't listen to the lyrics, I actually oh. just bought the instrumental version. Damn. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously feels like a mournful, sorrowful, sort of slow dirge of a song. But if you read the lyrics, it's kind of, to me at least, one of these like typical rock and roll, I miss being on tour, I miss the women of the road. Mm. Like, read it. I should see Memphis. Check out the lyrics. I encourage you to. It's If you seek Amy? I don't know. I don't know what that is, but I'm like, is this possibly the most elegant and mournful groupie song? It's about him missing being out on the road and traveling from town to town. It's a lifestyle that some people really enjoy. All right, let's wrap this up. Crack up. There's a buildup with horns. I like the horns a lot. And it's very similar to the band Beirut, which I brought up without knowing that there were any similarities in the first segment of this yeah because it's just like kind of a weird out there band that i actually do really like mm-hmm. and it was it sounded a lot like them i thought this was a good song yeah i mean i think musically it's a really cool reflection of its lyrics about fear and paranoia um 
I like the sudden dropouts where everything stops except for his literal like whispering and then everything right. comes back in. And I thought that was a nice reflection of the beginning of the album, um, the first track. Which is how it opened up. Yeah, Very exactly. quiet. I am all that I need does a similar technique mm-hmm. of dropping everything and then slamming it all back in. And then it has that weird, crazy droning brass outro. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. So overall this album ended week for me. Um, I think that it would have been really solid with half the songs. And now that I know it's a double album, maybe if it was, maybe, maybe I'll like the first two sides of the four sides. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I still, I, I did enjoy the bulk of these songs quite a bit more than the rest of the albums. That's interesting. I kind of was wondering if this would happen because you seem to be a little bit more open to experimental music and weird stuff than perhaps Jimmy is. But how much how much more weird or more experimental is this compared to the other two to most people that a are lot. listening? Is it because I would say the first two most the, the the generic person who even likes like you know weird music that's out there. This is a pretty strange band. Uh there's so much more dissonant and atonal stuff in this album though. Eh, I could see your point there. Um, one thing I did want to go back to you touched on it was the album artwork is so fitting, and I don't know why because I'm not really a guy who cares a lot about album artwork. When bands get the right album artwork though. You yeah. notice it. And this is a yeah. series of photographs from a Japanese photographer. I forget his name, but um, just this imagery. And there's a lot that comes up through the album of this tumultuous ocean imagery. Right. Mm-hmm. And you get these waves cracking on craggy cliffs and stuff like that. It's so like white and like dissonant compared to especially the other two albums, too. Yeah. it's uh, You lose a lot of the... Um, pastoral quality in mm-hmm. this like traveling bard stuff on this album like you yeah. said Jim it's very white black and white it's stark it's yeah. like cutting I do like the I do like the album like the funny enough Dan got this album for me for like my graduation present yeah and it came with a poster and stuff I have the poster actually up in my bedroom yeah um there, there are definitely things that I do like about this album and uh, as I listen to it more I'm sure I'll appreciate it more but as a whole i like the other two better i mean uh, one thing too i wanted to reference is this album is different from their others because i think it's a more it's a stronger reflection of the auteur nature nature of this band meaning like you could probably guess based on the other albums that robin pecknold had a strong hand in the writing and production of the songs Mm -hmm. but on this album they really didn't even try to make like a band album, quote unquote. If you read the liner notes, and not only did he write everything, but he performs like a lot of the instrumentation mm. oh, and stuff okay. on the albums. I so, so they it's don't more of a solo album than even because like if the band is almost all new except for him, right? Well, and the other guy um, whose name I'm really bad, oh, okay. Skellen, yeah. whatever. He he played a lot on it too, but. And, and there are guys who are in the band that perform on the album, but they didn't hold to a traditional band structure in the recording studio of like, you're the bass player, so you're going to play bass on every song. You're the drummer, so you're going to play drums on every song. All of them are multi-instrumentalists, and yeah. they all play stuff on that's like cool. every song. It's like the band. Yeah, and it was like, um, yeah, that's a good, good reference. It, it was like they went into the studio and were just like, it felt very much like, 
oh, you should do this part because you can play it this way, or mm-hmm. you wrote that part so you record it. That's what we did in our first punk band, Society and mm-hmm. Breakdown. Yeah, so I would of. write bass parts like a- that I couldn't play fast enough, so Dan would. So, but imagine <laughs> if if everyone did that, and I think um, Robin Pecknold wrote pretty much everything like all the parts but i could imagine a scenario where like on one day someone shows up like the bass player shows up in the studio so they jam together yeah and on the next day he's not there so robin plays a bass part on the next song and i don't know it's just to me reflected like this guy is a real artist and i mean i don't like to throw around the term genius but Mm. he's doing some really high level musical things and obviously his band is there to support him and i'm sure there's a little bit of a more of a collaboration with him and the lead guitarist but yeah, I love this album for that reason. Yeah. And then we watched the live video. Oh, yeah. Live at the Pitchfork Festival. Yeah, I've never seen them perform live. I, I've been dying to go see them. Oh, but, yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, But I thought as a live concert, I thought it was really good. Um, Just the fact that they're so talented. And uh, it sort of reminded me, too, you saw this show. I wish I did, but fortunately I wasn't into the band at the time, was... uh. Hostagecom did their whole self-titled album with like a bunch of like multi-instruments like yep. uh, came up and perform. Yeah, so they could really like yeah. interpret the album fully. Yeah. That's what reminded me of this. Yeah. Um, just Hostagecom did our theme song, little fun fact. Yeah, yeah, they did. Not for us. We took it from them. <laughs> we, we asked permission. Take it. They allowed us to use it. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeff, what did you, and, and I, I asked you, we're not going to get super deep on this, but I no, did ask no. you to keep your mind open to a few things when watching the concert. Right. So what did you think about what we spoke about? I think that everything you said in the first half of this episode was true about their live performance. Um, a lot of bands, when they're this ambitious in the studio, sometimes you physically can't play it live um a prime example and we're going to compare robert pecknell a musical genius according to dan to uh, another musical genius weird al yankovic he um he recorded hamilton polka in the studio in a way saying i'm never going to be able to play this live but i want to record it this way yeah so you whatever he did however he did it he can't play it live like you just can't do some things without making liberties and then it won't sound good um but they were good. They uh, everything sounded just as full, just as layered as the albums. They outsourced the horn section to another group of players who yeah. was also good. He even made a comment saying like, yeah, we played the song in a different key and we forgot to tell them and they just picked up on it. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's great. Like even not the members of the band, they have good enough musicians mm-hmm. to play with them and accompany them. And we mentioned before, like, there was a flute on stage. Yeah. This dude picks up a flute and he plays it. And not every band with that diverse of a selection of instruments can pull it off. I mean, even like I love Gogol Bordello and I've seen him a couple of times and they have some weird instruments. And when you see him live, it's fun. It's thrilling. It's exciting. But the songs are a little different because, oh, we don't have th- this guy who plays violin was playing this on the album. And yeah. We don't have that. So they compromise and they make it work, but seeing Fleet Foxes do it and pull it off is quite a feat. Yeah, and um, and for an hour and a half, that was a long video. I didn't watch the whole thing, and I skimmed through some parts. Damn, come on! I had a lot. I watched it in the shower for the most part. Oh boy! <laughs> so, so the guitar player that has been in the band since the beginning, just to throw his name out and make sure I said it correct, was Skyler Skelset. Um, Skellen. Yeah, you said it, Skyler. <laughs> but uh. What I wanted to comment on is 
one thing that they do, which I really think is cool for their type of music, is they have a a permanent member of the band. He's not there just for tours. Yeah. Um, this guy Morgan Henderson, who his position in the band is multi instrumentalist. Oh yes, I know. Who so you're he's about. the That's guy cool. that plays I've the flute. He's the that. guy that plays um, woodwinds, violin, percussion. That was saxophone. Jimmy in our band. He was playing tambourine. <laughs> well, elf. you had a band that I tried to do that in, and the rest of the guys didn't understand it. They were like, "So wait, wait, wait. He's gonna play tambourine in this song, and then the next song he's gonna play harmonica, and the next song he's gonna play acoustic guitar." Yeah. I was like, yes, that's what he's doing. He's like, dumb. But it's cool that they have that because they're able to add so much yeah. texture yeah. and recreate things from the studio. And I mean, I did that in Elvis Presley. I played didgeridoo. <laughs> sure you did. I played. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I wanted to show you guys with that live video is that they're really good live. Yeah. And. They're not just a studio band that does. I mean, I've seen people who do crazy stuff in the studio, and then you hear them, and it sounds nothing like it. it sounds like yeah. a stripped down like punk band or whatever. I did like after every song, he would go, "Thank you, thank yeah, you very much." He's, he's not super uh, <laughs> so it was, charismatic. It made me laugh every the time. Weird, the weird thing was, like, I expected to see them play as they played. But I didn't know what to expect in between. I thought it would be like more showy, more theatrical. Because yeah. the guy looks like he's from Brooklyn. I mean, <laughs> he's wearing a beanie in the beginning of it. And he's just like, they all just like. Almost. They're from Portland. Okay. So yes. Brooklyn of the West. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But then like in between songs, they were just like silly banter. Yeah. They're just, just like, like regular guys. Yeah. When I saw Which the Sydney Opera funny. House show. I don't know what was going on with him because he didn't do too much at this Pitchfork Festival, mm. but he was obsessed with retuning his guitar after every song. And I'm not talking about to change tunings like vastly different. I'm talking about like, nah, 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 like just minor tuning. But he did that between every song. Well, he pretty much switched guitars every th- every song in this one. I was yeah. curious if it was because it was a different like sound of tuning. guitar. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've I've looked into playing some of their songs, and they're all in very weird tunings. Yeah, like, they do some crazy stuff. Did you yeah. notice um, that Skyler guitarist was bowing his guitar a lot, which is a crazy thing? I I didn't stick. Out oh, to me. he was playing an electric guitar with. It looked like a st- an upright bass bow because it was really long. I must have skipped over that. So part that's how that's, they get. That's pretty noticeable. They, he does it in several songs off Crack Up. That's how he gets these big oh, ambient weird, sounds. Like, okay. That droning. Yeah. That makes sense. He's literally bowing yeah. Les Paul. <laughs> that's awesome. Which, I mean, so there was that was done a little bit like in the 70s, like Led Zeppelin and stuff. Yeah. But usually it was just to look cool <laughs> whereas this creates this weird eerie ambient wall of... i mean he's no jethro tall yeah the guy who <laughs> that is okay all right so final thoughts final thoughts fleet foxes also known as benadryl the band yes <laughs> come on Jeff. very sleepy time you gotta engage your mind um i i think that the difficult thing for me was that you threw everything at me and you didn't curate a nice little package and a playlist. But and they need to be albums. We talked about that. You could have done two. It was a lot. Like, <laughs> listen, I don't know. I know there's at least one person out there who listens to the first half of our shows and then, like, listens to or watches whatever and then comes back and listens to the rest. I don't know how many people do that. But if you do, I'm sorry. <laughs> You had to listen to a lot of this yeah. on behalf of Dan and Jimmy because it was a lot. I think I think that you guys could have just cut it down a little bit and maybe you would have had a, a better chance. But I don't know. Oh, we'll, we'll see. Maybe I. 
<laughs> wonder well, where this is going. I have one final push. Okay. For Jeff. Pitch me. And that is, you liked Crack Up the best out of these albums. Yes. Who knows what the future holds, Jeff? Oh. This is their last album. Mm. I know they are working on writing and stuff. There's rumors of a new album coming out soon. Yeah. They can go anywhere. This is the diving board. Did they get further? Did they get weirder? Do they stay similar to Crack Up? Do they go return to their older sound? Hmm. Okay, that's a, that's a good point. Jim, you have any final words? Yeah, what, Jeff, what Dan said. <laughs> what, what Jeff said. <laughs> what Jeff said. What Dan said. Yeah, I agree with you. I have nothing to add. <laughs> All right, well, I successfully talked Jimmy into Fleet Foxes a few years ago. Yeah. So now, Jimmy, why don't you ask Jeff? Oh, going down the line. Jeff, did we successfully talk you into Fleet Foxes? Mm, yes, but there's an asterisk. Because <laughs> it would it would be unfair of me to say no, right? There's no. It's, it's you could say no. I hated no, this. No, be, it's because I didn't hate it. There was never a time when I was like, I hate this. It stinks. I was bored. Yes, but like, it's a yes. Because it is what it is. It's sleepy time background music. <laughs> and it, that's how Jimmy pitched it to me. I and, did, And yeah. that's, that's what I've been calling it. And I don't know. I mean, I stand by my comments in the earlier part of this episode. Um, and I don't know. Well, it's, So here's my question for you. I It's a yes as sleepy time background music while you're cleaning, while you're falling asleep, while right. you're reading. Would it be a yes... For you to actively engage. In other words, would you sit down and watch another live concert? Would you possibly attend a live concert? Would you sit down and read the lyrics while you listen to the whole album? Yeah, I would do those things. Oh. Because it, it, it's... I'm it, going to count that as a victory. It's yeah. not, no, it is a victory. But I just... It's not like it's a yes and I'm like, I can't wait to do all of this yeah. stuff. It's a yes because like, yeah, it's good. Well, I think... It, if you engage a little bit more, it's only going to get stronger because these melodies are going to start to stick in your memory. Yes. And you will be humming along to them. Yes. Well, I mean, I was singing, I am a, <laughs> yeah. I am a melody. I mean, we've come a long way. I used to flip on Fleet Foxes on a car trip and you would scream and say, like, you're going to fall asleep. <laughs> Don't listen to this. Well, that's but because that's you did true. fall asleep while driving. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't Fleet Foxes' fault. It was Sleep Apnea's yeah, fault. I, I, was, I was really hard on fleet foxes throughout this episode but i was being honest and like yeah it's good yeah i would if if you guys go see fleet foxes and like i'm bored and i have nothing to do i might come with you (laughs) that's a bad answer how about uh when we go on a car trip in a few days we're going to yonkers see a movie yeah you know two hour drive whatever it is an hour and a half okay will we listen to fleet foxes if you want to, but you have to sing it so you don't fall asleep and you have to keep me awake and okay. you have to do it comically at some point. And I want you to sing along to the music, to the ebbs and flows. So when it gets really loud and then it gets high. Oh, I will, I'll do that anyway. Get the Put on a show for me, Dan. Okay. I'll wear my best country squire outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, that's what it is, guys. I'm going to take it as a yes, Jim. Yeah, I'll take it as a yes. I think it's only going to go better, you know, uphill from here. Where you are now is kind of like how I was when Dan originally played it for me. Right. So I would definitely feel that as a success. Um, as you go along, the the melodies will definitely start to stick out to you. That's that's why I like Helpless Dis Blues a lot, because I feel like those melodies are very prominent. It's catchier. Yeah, it's very catchy, and uh, 
I just think it's a great I, album. I still do think if you gave me one album or just like a playlist, I probably would have been a lot more gung ho than I am mm. now. It would have been an easier yes, and it would have been a more comfortable yes. Maybe we should look into doing it was that just, more often. It's so dense, and that, not it dense is. in a bad way. There's so much to take in. Well, and we could have done that for like the first, you know, couple albums of their career. But how do you do that with Crack Up? The songs are literally running into up. each other. That's your favorite album. I know, but I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> it's Jimmy's least favorite, so you guys could compromise and cut it out. Give me half Jimmy's of it. wrong. It's I like great. the first half of it. Give me the first half. I don't need the second half. Oh, okay. Oh boy. Anyway. Anywho, Jimmy, you got a lot of work to do because you have to talk me and Dan into something. Oh next yeah, week. yes I do. So I wanted to do another YouTube channel. I was unsuccessful the first another time. Another one. Another one. We the best podcast. Now that's a musician. <laughs> that's a musical genius. Oh yeah, for sure. DJ Khaled. So we both like consuming different types of media. We have a whole podcast about that. So I wanted to present to you a YouTube channel that I really enjoy called Red Letter Media. I've never heard of it, but is it hosted by YouTube men? It is hosted by YouTube men. Great. Um, so uh, it's mostly comprised of three guys and a couple of a uh, couple other people here and there. And uh, it's mostly a movie review uh, channel where they review a lot of movies and stuff. They do have different... Um, different shows where they're reviewing really weird and random stuff. We'll get more into that uh, for the next episode, but uh, I'm creating a playlist of a whole bunch of stuff. There's a show called half in the bag, a show called best of the worst. Um, that's all on this one channel by red letter media. So I'm going to have a whole playlist. And I'm going to have Dan and Jeff watch and successfully talk into. He's pretty confident about that. I guess so. I'm going to. I'm, I'm I'm going in to that one like this one. It's going to be a battle. Okay. Fight you hard. I'm interested in it because I listen to podcasts that review films. Exactly. I, re I read film reviews. That, that's why that's why I'm pretty confident with this. But you never know. Maybe you don't kidding, like Jimmy, I'll go with an open mind. Oh, thanks, Jeff. So I'm going to put the playlist in, a, in the show notes for this episode and obviously next episode. And uh, yeah, watch it. Do it. Okay. Do it up. In the meantime, Jim, where can people find us online? Oh, they can find us at Talk Me Into, at Ascon Talk Me Into. On, <laughs> you uh, remembered. I did because I had to edit it um, uh, on Twitter and uh, Talk Me Into on Facebook. And you can find me personally at Ascon Son of a Fitch, S-O-N-N-A-B-A-F-I-T-C-H. You can also find us on Patreon if you feel like supporting us, supporting your little boys. Give us some money. Support your local podcast is what I thought he was going to say, but he went with little boys. We're just little boys. Dan, where can people find you on the internet? You could find me uh, on Twitter, Danny underscore breakdown. Uh, and like Red Letter Media, I also write film reviews, even though I don't do it anymore. But you can read my <laughs> old ones on letterbox.com under the name Danny Breakdown. Jeff? You can find me on Twitter, Adiscon, J-E-F-F-F-F-27, Jeff with five Fs, the number 27. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into. What will we talk you into next? Movies. Local harmonies. Into. Talk you into. <laughs>
That's pretty loud and obnoxious, though. I mean, people love to listen to podcasts where the hosts are talking and eating at the same time. I do love how that subject isn't even loud and obnoxious. It's loud, obnoxious. Loud, obnoxious. Oh, God. He was waiting to do that crunch. He's just like looking around like, yeah, I'm going to crunch right now. You guys ready? Waiting for any lull in speaking. This is awful. We're not starting the actual episode until you're done with this. I don't know why we have to sit here and do this. Jeff, do you want to start off the next segment? Yeah, sure. Once this guy stops munching. Sticky. Come on. That's why I I didn't take your offer to have any. It's sticky. Dude, I loved that tweet of... uh, I retweeted it. It was just like, I don't know why people keep on making movies when cinema obviously peaked in this one scene in 1994. And it's that scene from Dumb and Dumber. Where he goes, big gulps, huh? Check you later. (laughs) Yeah, see you later. (laughs) I don't know why that's so funny. (laughs) There's not a joke in there. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. Big gulps, huh? Cool. That's up there, but my favorite line in that whole movie is, that John Denver is full of shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one, too. I just watched that the other day because I was on Amazon Prime. I did that instead of watch Downton Abbey. Okay. I don't know any of the lyrics, too. Well, we'll talk about that. Are you recording? Yeah, we're recording. In the morning, I'm coming to take you home. I didn't know the words. I was just... Wow, now, but 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 wow,